0: all right so welcome to the browns trade down podcast my name is colin o'grady i'm joined by jeff burke and michael fox over here um Howdy. a little bit of uh, a little bit of background as to why why we're doing this um so jeff michael and i all grew up uh, in Westlake, Ohio, on the west side of Cleveland, and we had a lot of, uh, we're we're diehard Cleveland sports fans, we had a lot of spirited debates about Cleveland sports, and um, back in 2015, in April, I moved down to Nashville, Tennessee, and in May, I believe, Jeff moved to Denver and he has since now moved to Los Angeles and Michael bought a house Man. in Fairview Park
1: lone survivor
0: up here <clears throat> so he is uh he's still up there but our our spirited um sports <laughs> debates turned into a uh, a group text and some of us mainly me is very opinionated and um we kept right. having talks for about probably about two years now about doing a podcast because we've literally been talking about least. doing a podcast for two years. At um,
1: least. I was thinking about that earlier. It was like, how long have we been actually talking about this? And today's the day.
0: Today's the day. Because, today's uh, the day. We're, we're ready to do it. Now the name of the podcast is Browns trade down. Um, it's, it's a working title. I like it, but um, we're definitely going to be talking calves, Browns, Indians, um, we'll be talking other, other sports. We'll be talking some March madness and, and things as they come and go along, maybe some masters talk here in April, but, um, today is going pri- to be primarily centered around the Browns. Um, a lot of, a lot of trade action recently. We got the draft coming up, which is definitely the, uh, the Brown Super Bowl. Um, not a ton going on with the tribe. We'll be able to get some tribe talk coming up when, uh, when spring training is, is wrapping up and the season's about to start. And, and obviously we'll be talking a lot of Cavs playoffs here coming up as well. But um hailed that
2: intro, Colin.
0: We wanted to uh we wanted to start the podcast with with a little Brown's talk. Uh um, let's get into it. You know, I I I think we can start off with the you know, the the flurry of 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 trades we recently made. I was sitting at a bar on um what was that Friday a few weeks ago we we Jeffrey texted me that we landed Jarvis Landry um and then in comes Tyrod Taylor and we got rid of Kaiser for Demarius Randall and um you know I I, just the state of the Browns where they're at you know Jeff what do you think about um what do you think about the moves what do you think about where the Browns are at right now
2: I'm just gonna go ahead and say first off the additions that we made to the front office are huge um one detail um that we missed in the intro too is just that I worked in the Browns front office, uh, back in 2013 for a year, uh, shout out pasta weight. Um, so it was pretty cool being inside there, just being able to meet people like, uh, Jimmy Haslam and Alex Shiner, Brent Stellick, Sashi Brown, and all those guys. And just kind of understand how that, that side of the business runs, um, talk to the scouts a lot and whatnot. And we all shared a cafeteria, which was pretty awesome. So lunchtime was cool, but, just the additions that they made in the front office. I mean, it's going to be a huge trickle down effect. And I think we saw that immediately with these trades. And for us, I know we were talking a lot like Elliot Wolf coming over from the Packers, a big time NFL guy, but the move that we made to get Demarius Randall, obviously, you know, those guys are pretty well equipped in knowing what that guy brings to the table. So everything that they're doing is just kind of easy to trust this year. Um, And then, Dynamic skilled guys right off the bat is pretty
0: exciting for Browns fans, that's for sure. Michael, what do you, uh, what do you got to say over there?
1: Um, not, not much, but I, I mean, I guess the question here is what makes this front office different than I don't know how many we've had in the past since they've been back in '99? What makes this one, why is this one going to be the one that kind of turns the tide? Um, Comment. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts there? I think I mean, I I got like to get your thoughts on this one, but Tyrod Taylor, um, best Browns quarterback since we've returned.
0: Um, so a couple things there. Um, I just think it's funny, you know, Cleveland Cleveland Browns fans are they're so pessimistic or cautiously optimistic <laughs> maybe would be the term like <clears throat> when we traded for Tyrod I got so many, you know, texts and group meetings and all these different types of things from people saying, like, Oh, you do realize that, you know, Tyrod's not that good and you know, pump Yada 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 and I'm like, Well, you know, he's probably the best quarterback we've had since Tim Couch. You could maybe argue <clears throat> Derek Anderson, but Yeah, one you know, year it's, wonder. Yeah, and, it, and it, Kelly Holcomb, and it's not one much game a, wonder.
2: None of those guys are good. It's not much of
0: a not much of a bar to go off of, but you know, the way that the, the the position that the Browns are in, and the reason why I think to answer, you know, part two of your question, the reason why I think this front office might be different it, it might just be because of circumstance. It might just be because of the fact that they're walking into such a perfect situation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jeff and Mike, we talked about this the other week where you know, Tyrod's a good quarterback. He's probably, you know, in that in that 13 to 17 maybe range of, of quarterbacks in the league, maybe a little bit lower than that. Maybe he's like the 20th best quarterback or something like that. But he's a guy that you can win some games with, in in my opinion. And I think, you know, just judging by he took the Bills to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years last year in a season that they were really trying to tank and get high draft picks. Um, But Tyrod's a guy that, you know, the Bills got rid of him because you don't really ever in the NFL want to be sitting in limbo where you're winning six, seven games a year. And you're not getting that high draft pick, and you've got to do what the Bills are trying to do right now, which is trade up and, and get rid of a lot of your draft capital just to get that quarterback. To where <clears throat> what the Browns are looking for this season, and why I think Tyrod is the absolute perfect fit, is they're looking for a guy who can legitimize the franchise. They're looking for a guy who can win some football games, you know, get some eliminate of the culture excuses. going into that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you look at the. 36 of our 53 guys last year were first or second year guys and we won one game in in those last two years so you know what we need to do is is get a guy who can win some games but the browns are sitting in such an unbelievable position because they're not going to be you know they're going to be in that six to seven window maybe wins this year i hope i know some people probably think that's very lofty yeah um but we're also going to be having that. We're going to, and we'll talk about the draft a little bit, you know, further on here. But we're going to be drafting that quarterback number one overall. In an ideal situation, he's going to be able to sit that entire year. So yeah. we're going to be able to win that six seven games. But we're not going to be in limbo where we have to trade up all these picks to get a quarterback because that quarterback's going to be sitting on the bench learning. So that's before it's, it's really a perfect situation for them. Yeah, we've
1: been in that zero to four uh, win wind limbo for the past <laughs> fifth, whatever since we came back, basically.
0: And haven't taken a quarterback with that top pick, which is insane. No, I know. That means every fall we have
2: four fun days. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Four Sundays where we get to have fun. But, hey, rewind real quick to what Michael said about the front office. I just want to touch on a couple of those guys, just on why they're different, unless you had any other thoughts on that, Colin? No. I love the take on Tyrod. I do think he's the best quarterback we've had since we've come back. Um, But real quick, I think that – Two things. You're right about circumstance. It's just different right now. Gotta give credit to Sashi. What he set these people up with Great. (laughs) (laughs) He did. So Dorsey, first of all, was with the Packers, then the Seahawks, retired. Then he came back to to be with the Packers. Um, and he's credited with, I mean, he did he drafted Aaron Rodgers, Clay Matthews, Greg Jennings. Like he's just an absolute stud. Then he goes to the the Chiefs. He obviously has an awesome resume there. And the coolest part to me was he worked with Elliot Wolf, um, and who's the other guy? Alonzo Highsmith, I think, from the Packers, and yes. he worked with them there. So he gets to go to the Browns. He gets a new blank slate. He doesn't get to pick his head coach, but obviously that was widely agreed upon. I mean, especially Joe Thomas endorsement also helps. So he gets a blank slate for his staff. He gets to bring his dream team back over and link up with Alonzo and Elliot Wolf. <laughs> So he's super amped these guys go out and make solid trades right away to get people who are just going to win football games like getting Tyrod in a low turnover quarterback and and some of that stuff is is huge um, so I just think that these guys being able to get excited about joining up and, and linking up again with the Browns with so many assets um, and <laughs> a resume that is unbelievable in John Dorsey and some of the other guys is, I mean, Hey, like we can all have our takes, but at least we have some people we can trust now.
0: Yeah. And even, even getting a guy like Scott McLuhan um, as, and I don't know if he's actually going to be on staff with the, uh, with the front office or if he's just a draft guy, but there's a lot of people that regard him as one of the best talent evaluators in football. So, you know, being able to get those guys, you know, not only to join the staff, but to come to Cleveland, it, it definitely shows a, a trust in Dorsey to where, you know, these guys they weren't scared of the stigma that goes along with, you know, the Browns just getting rid of GMs after a couple of years. They're confident in themselves that, you know, they're gonna be able to turn this thing around. Now, granted, like we talked about earlier, <clears throat> the Browns are probably in a best in the best position from an asset standpoint, maybe in NFL history in terms of draft capital and, and, and you know, cap space. But um you know, we- that that it doesn't doesn't, you know detract from the fact that they're you know very Absolutely. We should have guys. Jake
2: on at some point to talk about the Packers guys, but the other thing I meant to say too was, I mean you come- from, like the Green Bay Packers, as everybody knows, no free agency like it is a draft and it is a family culture. You go there you're going to be a Packer for a long time. The fact that they can be successful with that speaks volumes first and foremost, and Dorsey Highsmith and uh Elliot Wolf coming over from there like that's that's just so solid, real quick too, for Alonzo Highsmith. <laughs> This dude played in the NFL for the Houston Oilers, the Cowboys, and the Bucks, And then he retired. And following, following his football career, he became a professional boxer. And over four years, he was 27-1-2 and two. In, in the heavyweight divisions. He an animal. 23 of his 27 victories came by knockout. So I'm just happy to have the dude
1: inside the front office out there. Yeah. That's I good. Know, info. Ohio. I wanted, part of the reason why I wanted to ask that, because honestly, I didn't know much about their background. I knew you guys did. And it's so hard. I mean, for me or for anyone to judge a front office really before before any games are being played,
0: or a draft or a draft
1: without, or draft, without knowing any, anything about their accomplishments. So that was that was good.
0: And really, I think that a really smart move that Dorsey made was he he knew, you know. And Jeff, we've talked about and Michael, we've talked about how, you know, I. I don't disagree with what Sashi Brown did. I don't necessarily agree with it. I just think that his his plan, um, he didn't really foresee one win in two years, and I don't. And I also don't think that he, um, even even if he did foresee one win in two years, really realized how how detrimental that can be to a football team because. You know, like we've talked about in other sports, it works <clears throat> because if you're in the MLB or you're in the NBA, you're still going to win. You know, ten games, twenty games. If you're in the you know MLB, you're going to win forty, fifty games. But in the NFL, when you go two seasons with these guys, given you know every drop of you know sweat they have and and you know blood, sweat, and tears, and they're not winning a game, um, it it can really, really hurt the face of a franchise. And what it did for for the Browns, you know, not that we had a stellar reputation to begin with, but. <clears throat> we got all this cap space. Well, what, what are we going to do with it? Well, you know, you've seen with the last, you know, two weeks of free agency, <clears throat> Allen Robinson, you know, Tyron Matthew, none of these big, big name guys are, are going to come and they're not going to sign with the Browns. And, and I think that Dorsey, you know, saw that and anticipated it. And he made those trades for a guy like Tyrod, you see Sam Bradford getting $20 million for, for one year, Josh McCown getting 10 million for a year. I mean, we got Tyrod on a, you know, $16 million, which isn't cheap, but, you know, who are we going to end up with? Probably A.J. McCarron if we would have gone to free agency. And same thing, you know, Jarvis Landry's not signing here. Demaryce Randall's not signing here. You get these guys in the building, you get some camarader- camaraderie with the other guys in the locker room, and, you know, you can, you know, win some games right there, and then you gain that that credibility. you got a franchise quarterback sitting there, and, um, and we can roll into the draft. Now, one of the uh, – to, to kind of reel it back into the draft, one of the reasons why I really wanted to get this podcast going um i want to touch on that Sashi thing for a second because
2: because it was like super important and people were talking about other teams trying to tank and do the same thing the browns did to set themselves up two years from now and it's like it's super risky stuff because the stuff that we were talking about that you were referring to was like i mean to be in the trenches in that 0 and 16 season like sashi definitely didn't really think about well i can't say that but to be an NFL fan and your team not win one game in 16 weeks, like, it compounds on top of each other and shit goes downhill fast. And, like, it, in his defense, I mean, half those games, like, we lost to the Steelers by three. I think we lost, like, yeah. Colts by three, Jets by three, Titans by three. Yeah, like, all those were super close. So, at the, at the <laughs> same time, it's not like it was on him to know that we would have gone 0-16 because, holy cow, the odds are, you know, Yeah, I mean, NFL's... crazy. So yeah. the fact that he did it, I mean, I, I don't know. I, now I'm thankful, but it was tough going through that for sure.
0: Oh yeah, I would never. And and somebody on Twitter the other day was talking about how you know it, other teams may may see that or may may do that you know down the road. And I said, well, hey, you know maybe Sashi Brown can find a niche in the league where he's a, a two year GM that tears down a franchise <laughs> to get them into a good position because he was pretty damn good at setting us up for success. Undefeated
2: forward, preseason, baby.
0: <laughs> Super Bowl. And the, the last thing I'll say about Sashi, because there's been a lot of people, there's, you know, Sashi wars going on on Twitter where a lot of people are like, see, he set us up for this. And a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? And, and granted, you know, he passed on Carson Wentz and he passed on Deshaun Watson. And those are huge, you know, blunders. And, and it's tough to, to look at that and, and think that he was, you know, positive. But um, the thing about Sashi is he was definitely going to he had a plan. He was definitely going to draft a quarterback this year. He was dra- definitely going to – I mean, he was set up for this year to be the year for them to go for it. Granted, and, and I think that, you know, it would have been nice to see it out. But, I, I I mean, I think that the the front office that we have right now, I don't think that he would have made the trade for Tyron. I don't know if he would have gotten Jarvis Landry. Like, I, I, I'm I'm glad that we have these guys in here now to really – you know, take it to the next level. But I, I, you know, I think that he did an okay job here and he, he kind of got the short end of a stick because I believe that he told Haslam, Hey, this is going to be, this is going to be tough for, for a couple of years. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't think it was going to be one in 31 tough, but um I mean, I know, really do think it's was,
2: a perfect storm. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Those guys that we brought in, they're going to do their thing with the assets that they had. Um I know, I know Wolf and Highsmith both think they got a big steal in Demarius Randall because, he underachieved, but those two dudes drafted him in Green Bay. They know he's a dog, and they know he can play anywhere in the defense. Um, yeah, going back to his,
0: back to his uh, yeah, going back to his position of free safety, which he, you know, has come out after we traded for him and said that he's, you know, a lot more comfortable doing that. So shout out like to like not to finishing
2: that. the paperwork
0: for AJ McCarron. Yeah, that's that. Sashi died for our sins. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: this is this
1: is where I this is where I come in with a little spin on that. Jimmy Haslam sure. is the genius here.
0: Exactly, he gets, I was, he gets I think the same
1: thing. He gets the he gets that's Sashi so good. To come in, Sashi comes in there to blow everything up, acquire assets, set us up. And then up he gets perfectly. the best front office. And then he gets the, the football crew to come in and, and make all the moves that uh, they made and move yeah. forward for the draft. Yeah.
0: I never thought about that. That's awesome. Oh, I thought about that. If that was his, you know, didn't player, he
2: also call the shot on Johnny? Can't win them all.
1: But that's not what he did though.
2: So it's all good.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so so to reel it back in, to, you know, we're gonna do a little bit. We don't want to, you know, keep these too long. And we want to do a little March Madness, um, but <laughs> we want to uh, get kind of a what do you think is gonna happen, and what do you want to have happen in the draft? Now, a big reason that we got this podcast started right now is because I was losing my mind via text <laughs> a couple weeks ago because um, Jeffrey was telling me that he would be mad if the Browns <laughs> took a quarterback at one overall. And he was thinking, you know, he, he was in that camp. And I know there's a lot of people that were there that wanted Saquon Barkley number one. And Thank- then you can still get a top quarterback at number four. And I just, I, just, I was like, man, we got to get on this podcast so that I can, I can just expose you or, you know, hear what you have to say. Because- well, the Colts' Jets
1: Jeff, trade kind of saved him here.
0: It did because what's going to happen is Saquon's going to be sitting there at four and we're still not going to take him. But, um, no, and that's so I, I want to hear, and, and, and Jeff's a big fan, just for the record, Jeff's a big fan of Carlos Hyde and he likes our backfield now. And, and Carlos Hyde's only 27 years old and he's got, you know, the Cleveland Clinic up here now. And I, I, I had read something where the, uh, the 49ers where he was at, they didn't have much of a, um, much of a system in place for nutrition or for, or for like rehabilitation as much as most teams do. And so he was talking about how a lot of the time with his injuries, they compounded because they just didn't have the necessary, it just wasn't a a high quality medical team there in order to, to get him back. So he's really excited about that. But, um, Jeff, kind of take me through <clears throat> before the Carlos I trade. you know, the whole so thing, I can before expose you trade, and then, <laughs> and then after the Carlos hydrate, um, as to what your mindset was and, 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 and kind of you know, why you thought it would make yeah. sense to let other teams dictate which quarterbacks we take is really my point.
2: So two things that drove me to say that I really want Saquon at number one is first of all, every single personality has a different take on quarterbacks. A lot of people are like coming together on Sam Darnold being number one pick and the best quarterback out there now. Um, But there's just a whole bunch of chatter. There's no clear cut Andrew Luck this year. There's no guy that's like the clear franchise leader, Um, which could speak volumes about the other three. And it could also just say that there's not a guy everybody's sold on. Um, and if you look at like the draft bust in the first round for quarterbacks, EJ Manuel, Johnny, Brandon Whedon, Robert Griffin III, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, like Sam Bradford, all these dudes. First off, first and foremost, to me, if you pick a quarterback number one, try Richardson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go back and forth all day, but here's my thing: is I think Saquon's going to be a top 15 running back of all time, and I think the fact that that dude's going to be an All-Pro caliber is a lock. I don't know if any of these four quarterbacks is a lock and a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's so much easier to play quarterback in the NFL when you have that running back. Dak Prescott is not that great of a quarterback. And he looked like an all-pro when, it, when Zeke was running wild.
1: Zeke hey, was fourth hurt. Fourth-round pick, though.
2: What's my point, though, is that Ezekiel Elliott made that team what it was. And then Dak There's comes in when he's got eight people loading the box. He's got man coverage on the outside. And then you have Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman, who are all going to torch people in man-on-man Man, um, in, in your skill positions. So, to me, it's like I didn't want another Brady Quinn. Cleveland is where quarterbacks go to die because we've never set up these quarterbacks with great teams around them and assets for them to utilize. I'm not making excuses for all those quarterbacks. A lot of those guys, I mean, Weedon, he wouldn't have made it anywhere. I mean, he's not like the Cowboys now, I think. He's not even doing that well. So. Right. So my whole point was more so believing in Saquon that much, thinking that that dude is going to be a 10 year all pro. So whoever's playing quarterback is going to be pretty good. And then his stats were identical to Adrian Peterson in the combine. And he's what, 20 pounds heavier than the dude. So I just really believe Saquon's going to be that good. Uh, This is awesome. Now Michael said it jets trading up, I think is going to keep Saquon at number four. But at this point, I mean with Carlos Hyde, I love the one-two punch in Duke and Hyde. And I also think that enables us to go get Bradley Chubb, you know, with the Eagles and what they did. And if you have a quarterback walking into your building scared as hell of Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb, uh, that's a win-win too. So, for me now, now I definitely want to go get whatever quarterback we like at number one. Quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three for sure. Um, and it's, it's going to be wild what happens here. But that's, that was my whole justification was I think Saquon's a stud. At the time, we only had Duke. We got rid of Crowell, and I just thought that adding that dude would open everything up. Defenses would put eight people in the box, and we'd have man-to-man coverage for Josh freaking Gordon and
0: Jarvis Landry on the outside. Mm-hmm. Michael, what do you so? So, uh, so Jeff, right now you kind of want to just go, you know, quarterback one. Um, uh, you want to just you know who do you want it for
2: right that we are set up so beautifully for cleveland and especially i mean it's it's a town, and the fact that people are going to talk about the browns 24 7 and the fact that we got tyrod taylor just helps everything and here's what i mean is we grab that quarterback number one and after that like you said a couple of weeks ago colin draft that quarterback number one and then we're done and then we have the fourth pick in the draft and we just move on and draft after that so draft the quarterback let him sit Tyrod's gonna be awesome he's not gonna turn the ball over Brown's are gonna win some games um and and the chatter's over about the quarterback and then we got a couple guys back there who are trying to to learn and grow
0: yeah yeah um no and I and I, I agree and, and the point that you mentioned you know my point was basically we're in such a good spot that you can take quarterback at one, stash him, act like yeah. you don't have him for twelve months, and start your draft. You know, and basically you can build around win now, win now, win now, while your quarterback is sitting on the bench, which is unbelievable. But best of both um, worlds, Michael. What what? Uh, and I know that you haven't gotten too too much into uh, to draft Pratties. and and, yeah. and all that. But what do you what do you think? In it, do you have a quarterback that you like? You know, what do you what do you think we should do at one and four? Well,
1: all along since. All offseason, I've wanted to do Kirk Cousins and then draft Darnold and draft Minka. So, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of doesn't really change. I, I love the Tyrod um, deal. Like you, like we've all said, it's, I mean, we don't have a saves quarterback. Us a lot of money. We, there's, no, there's no controversy this year. We have Tyrod Taylor for this year, draft a quarterback. I, I like Darnold. I think he has the highest ceiling. Um, he's only 20 years old, I think it is. Um, and then, and then I want to keep, keep building on that defense. I, I love Minka uh, Fitzpatrick from Bama. Um, but we'll see what they do.
0: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big Minka fan. Um, he's like, I think he, I, I don't know if Nick Saban said he's his favorite player of all time, that he like understands that defense better than anybody that's ever been in that system. Um, and he's just obsessive about really, you know, being in the right spot. Yeah. He's yeah. Nick Saban loves him. There wow. are something about him. He absolutely loves him, but, the thing the thing with Minka um, is, you know, you got to be – I guess you could draft him and, you know, if Randall wants to go corner, then Minka can go safety. Or if, if Minka can play corner, then Randall can go back to free safety and they can figure that out. But <clears throat> what I want them to do, um, and I've said since day one, I want quarterback at one, um, a lot of – a lot of Browns fans and and I think the reason why there's a lot of Browns fans who don't want to, to take that quarterback at one is is because of, you know, just the you know, being afraid of, of, of that quarterback busting when you do have a sure thing and in, in a in a you know, Bradley Chubb or a Saquon Barkley or a Minka Fitzpatrick and, and a lot of Browns fans have shied away from that because they've seen <clears throat> a lot of people come in and, and believe me, I I'm I'm the type of person back in whatever year it was and we drafted Whedon and uh, and Trent Richardson, I was like, oh, man, we got our Adrian Peterson. We got our bell cow. You know, the only reason Brandon Whedon dropped is because he is old, but he's going to be ready to go week one. He's going to be great. And, you know, I thought Brady Quinn was going to be great. I'm like Colt McCoy, third round, what a steal. He's got like the most wins in college football, you know, all these different types of things. And um, and, a, and a lot of Browns fans are now inclined to believe that, you know, you've got to build a team around a quarterback in order for him to succeed. And, you know, kind of like that Dak Prescott model, um, where I know Dak's a good quarterback, but he had a very good team around him. Um, And it's because of what's happened in the past with the Browns. But if you look back at those quarterbacks, you tell me which one of those quarterbacks was going to thrive in a a system with with a good running back and a good, you know, good receiving core. And like probably Brian Hoyer was the setup, the best to do that. And same with Derek Anderson. And they had good teams around him and they did well, but, you know, They couldn't take us to the playoffs.
2: Not Um, sure they
0: can only they can only do so much. All right, well they didn't. Um,
2: Cleveland voted Brian Hoyer out when we were seven and four or seven and three. Like that's
0: ridiculous. No, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not arguing that one way or the other. My point is just that he
2: didn't have the opportunity to take us to the playoffs because literally the fans said, "No, we're not happy with seven wins. We want more."
0: Right. Okay. I got you. My point is. You can get a top-end quarterback, and they can succeed on a team. Even you know, like look, look at how the where the Bucks were, where the Eagles were, where where all these teams were when they drafted their guys. The Titans with Mariota, you don't need to have that team around him. Where a lot of Browns fans think they do, because those quarterbacks that we've had in the past haven't succeeded. But if you look back at those quarterbacks, you look at Brady Quinn, you look at Colt McCoy, you look at you know a lot of those quarterbacks, they just weren't that good to begin with. And and that's my opinion. As, I, t- you know, yeah. Um, I mean, I totally
2: disagree in terms of a quarterback being able to completely take a team that's not good anywhere. Like, give me one example. Aaron Rodgers, like, what's he done? Like,
0: No, I'm saying you take that quarterback and you build around him in the years to come. You need that quarterback, though. You don't have to draft that running back and get that receiving core and get that offensive line and then go get your quarterback. If you're sitting in a spot where you have the number one pick in the draft, you take that quarterback and you build the team around him. Now, the good part about the Browns is – they actually have a decent core right now in terms of their receiving their receiving core their offensive line their running backs and that 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 quarterback is not going to get thrust in this first year it's going to be Tyrod so you can you know draft your franchise left tackle maybe in the in the first round next year when when Darnold or whoever it's going to be comes in anyway to to stop ranting yeah um, no i mean
2: just to wrap that up though like the perspective on that is is obviously Two different hypothetical perspectives, and the way the Browns are set up now kind of eliminates the need to debate that. And what yeah, I and mean it is like
0: both, both
1: ways. Uh,
2: Yeah, it really does because I, I just firmly, I, and I, I disagree with you about saying that the Browns fans have wanted to build a team around a quarterback. The Browns have been the loudest fan base about quarterback, <laughs> about quarterback, drafting, quarterback, except for this anybody. year when we're
0: sitting at one and everyone wants and, to draft a frigging running back. <laughs> I mean, it's because he's all-time. He's once in a generation. I get it. I I just think if you're – you know, we're in such a good spot, you need to draft this quarterback. Quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, maybe four if the Browns trade out. It's going to be – you don't want to be sitting there at four taking the third-best quarterback. That's my point.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that now. And, like, Tyrod changes everything. Like, we don't have – we can actually – like – what has happened earlier is Brady Quinn was thrown in. Johnny got thrown in. I mean, do you guys hear the podcast at Tomahawk when Johnny was talking oh, yeah, about eating seeds on the sideline when Josh McCown helicoptered? Johnny spits yeah. out his seeds. He's like, oh, oh this boy, is going to be
0: interesting. <laughs> he didn't even know yeah. like the formations or anything. Like, that's all it's been with
2: Whedon and all these guys. They haven't had that year to just relax and, like, get to know Cleveland. Like, it's just but- been people just <laughs> barking, throw them in. Same time, but you either, gotta be
1: prepared though for that as as a player, and the coaching staff needs needs to be on top of that too. But yeah, and I think that's I think kind of a was, side
0: point, but that's kind of very Johnny specific too. Like that guy, yeah, you know. But Billy, um, but my point, Jeff, is that you <laughs> know, ideally, that's what you want. I, but I, but I think that if a quarterback's good, a la Carson, once and he and he's got talent. You know, In an ideal world, does he sit for a year? Yeah, but I don't think they need to. I just don't think that if you sat Brady Quinn for a year, you sat Brandon Whedon for a year, you sat Colt McCoy for a year, I don't think those guys are going to succeed anyway. That's my point is that every quarterback we've drafted has been 22 or later, and it's been because... you know, yeah, we waited on him, and we were just trying to get that second or third best quarterback. And the, so- other,
2: the other thing I was talking about, too, with the <laughs> skills around him, which kind of makes everything we're talking about, like, null and void this year, is, like, the dudes that Whedon was throwing to, like, Greg Little and, like, David right. Nelson and Benjamin. Travis Benjamin's like not an NFL receiver. Like Philip Rivers Benjamin. one of the best quarterbacks of all time and he he didn't do much of them.
0: Travis Benjamin got paid because Johnny Manziel was throwing him deep balls. <laughs> he was catching up one won a game in Tennessee with two bobs. So, so it's
2: him. both things. It's 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 a league, it's a team game, and it's about the balance. And those <laughs> quarterbacks never had the assets to actually do something with. I mean, I even look at my brother Kevin, like, junior year at St. Ed's, not having much, and then, like, the line he had and the guys he played with senior year, they go undefeated and win the first state title in St. Ed's history. Shout-out Eagles 2010. But, like, that's, that's my whole thing is just people need to realize it's a team game, and I also am on your side of the table now. I think we got to get the quarterback, and then we just push the reset button like it never happened, and we go go about our draft after that.
0: No, and it's, it's good to have both perspectives because there is a, a big um... – there's a big smattering, if, if that's a word, a big smattering of Browns fans who who really wanted to, you know, go after. And, and you know, my perspective, and I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but I th- I just thought that was asking. I, I thought, you know, one of these quarterbacks is definitely going to emerge. <laughs> and it looks like it's finally happening. Sam Darnold is emerging as that guy, which which is great because, you know, you want that one guy to be head and shoulders above the rest and have it be an easy pick. Um, I like Darnold. I like, um, I like Josh Rosen. I really like Baker. Um, But if we were sitting at four or we were sitting at three and and we had the second or third, you know, choice in quarterbacks, I'd be really intrigued by taking Baker Mayfield and and seeing what he can do because I think that he can be a good player, but sitting in the number one pick, Sam Darnold has been playing quarterback for four years. He's 20 years old. He was a converted linebacker out of high school um the guy he's got so much room to improve and so much more to learn from the position that gamer I just think that you're drafting based upon what you think he can be in two three years versus you know I think Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback today but I don't know how much better he can be in in, you know two three years versus I think Sam Darnold is is a solid quarterback right now and he can he seems like the type of guy who's going to work his ass off and he's also just going to you know gradually as he you get kids 20 years old, he's going to learn so much more in the next couple of years. So I hope that a guy like Tyrod will be good for him. And I hope that, God, I hope that Hugh Jackson can coach. Um, Andrew,
2: Andrew Barry. Um, he's our vice president of player personnel. I think he came over like two years ago, but he was yeah, with he, the Colts. He came with Sashi. Well, yeah, Sashi he president. was, yeah, he was with the Colts for four years and he drafted Andrew Luck. And I'm sure these guys are like, especially with John Dorsey there now too. It's like, there shouldn't be much hesitation. It's just about – that's the problem with having so many people in the room and having a, a crowded kitchen is those guys just got to come together on somebody. But Sammy, that dude, that dude's a gamer and he's well-spoken. I was worried about him being soft coming from SoCal, Southern California, out here because I've been here for a week and I already feel softer. <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, so he's impressed me though in the off season and the combine, the way he talked about Cleveland even. That doesn't
0: hurt. Yeah, so um, so we don't want to keep this dragging out too long. We'll talk a little um, March Madness, but just to leave it at that, I just, you know, I've been a Browns fan you know my whole we've all been Browns fans our whole life and and like i said earlier i thought you know the whedon richardson draft was going to turn it around and then i thought you know johnny is is the truth and i remember where i was when we drafted all those guys in softball you know i was in i was in the outfield and we drafted justin gilbert <laughs> and i dropped the ball because i was like who the hell is justin gilbert um,
2: colin had his phone playing in his, his pocket, pocket while he was
0: playing right field guy hits a fucking liner out to him and as, colin as it. the pick comes in i'm like oh we drafted justin gilbert <laughs> It was yeah. So funny, um, but anyway. I right, but then so, we went and got Johnny, but, and you were all about it. Oh yeah, we got. We Johnny really we were. Went out, we went out to the Riverwood. Shot of the Riverwood. Um, but anyway, we. Uh, I just think that the spot where, you know, obviously you got to hit on the quarterback, but you know, I, I think we're finally in a spot where we're going to win some games this year. People, a lot of my friends, when I say I think we're going to win six games, think I'm, you know, insane. But they, you really undervalue. Um, how much a quarterback can change a football franchise so you know i just think that we're in we're in such a good spot finally to to turn this thing around i think we're gonna win some games i've been <clears throat> i've been in nashville since april of 2015 i go to the uh the doghouse which is the browns backers bar out here um every sunday and i realized halfway through this season that i've never seen a win on a sunday at the doghouse i am there every week for two and a half years that's
2: unbelievable.
0: Um, the game that we won, it was <clears throat> Christmas Eve. So I wasn't there for that. I was up back in Cleveland and, um, it just made me be like, Oh my God, I've never seen a win here. So we've never been able the to celebrate and drink. <laughs> like, that, that is insane. So amazing. I'm excited. Uh, I, I think I'm finally going to see a win there this year and I'm, I'm excited for that. But, um, but so to, uh, to switch it up a little bit, um,
2: <laughs> like maybe in an episode or two, maybe do a mock draft or something. I mean, we kind of just touched yeah. on a couple of players. We can actually
0: yeah, I, I, like, I like dive into needs more. and like, who we want. I like Bradley Chubb at four. I like Denzel Ward. I, I like the idea of trading back to six or seven. Um, I saw the other day trade back to 12 and get 12 and 21 and then take, you know, one of the second round picks, move up from 12, move up from 21, end up getting two guys in that range, that, that like 10 to, to 15 range, which is interesting too. There's just a lot that we can do. Um but to, to to flip it to to some March Madness talk, um, man, what a crazy tournament. We've had two number ones get knocked out, two number twos, a three, I think two fours, um, in the first two rounds, which has got to be one of the craziest tournaments to date. Sixteen um, B
1: to one.
0: Sixteen B to one in the first round. Um it's just been wild. I shout out I retrievers. We, we wanted to talk a little bit about um maybe some dark horses who we think you know, taking a taking a shot at who we think is going to win it all, and um, I'll start with you, Mr. Burke. What do you uh, What do you think? No,
2: don't start with me. Let's start with Foxy. Foxy. First off,
0: all right. First
1: off, did you guys see the UMBC Twitter? Just absolutely yeah. on it. <laughs> absolutely oh, yeah. dominating. Yeah, it was it's awesome. so good. So I saw a story on like the guy behind the Twitter, um, and it all started with he wasn't even at the game. He was at like a volleyball game or something, but um, the UMBC volleyball game. Um, he looked on the. It was in the conference championship. Uh, he looked on his phone and it said like they had an eight percent chance of winning. It was pregame. And well, first of all, that it was that like was one
2: point the...
1: eight. Yeah, for the UVA game. Oh, oh uh, never mind. I'm, I'm probably... talking to the conference championship. It started the conference championship and he looked on the pregame and it said ESPN gave him an eight percent chance to win. So he was like, All right, I'm gonna screenshot this just in case and then it started from there and he kinda <laughs> like got some publicity from that and then obviously they went on to beat UVA and he just so they scrolled, had an eight percent
2: chance running. to win their conference. Yeah, championship. The
1: championship game. They lost by like twenty or thirty, maybe even in the against Vermont earlier in the year. Oh but, my god! But it was so good. But that that ESPN percentage stuff. Oh my god! It pisses me off so much. It's so it's the most worthless stat ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Win probability like, and all that.
1: Especially, especially in baseball. But but I digress. Yeah.
2: Um, I lo- how about Steph Curry sending them all shoes too?
1: Yeah. That was that was kind of cool.
2: Pretty Just, sweet. Yeah, I know <laughs> we all
1: hate. To, yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, stuff.
2: Um, but Warriors yeah, Warriors blew a three-one lead.
1: From here on out, I mean, I'll start with the Boilers. Why not? It <laughs> sucks. It sucks that Haas one went, went down. I mean, there's good news and bad news. I think their guards are good enough to to still continue this run. Um, Carson Edwards seriously might be the top point guard, and Jalen Brunson's there, but in all of the NCAA, um, they can hit yeah. shots. I mean, I got Texas Tech, and then from there, anything can happen, but...
0: Fox, I, I was sounding like I was an educated Purdue fan this weekend when I was watching the game. <clears throat> Carl Edwards tried to throw down some crazy dunk, and whoever I was with was like, was he trying to dunk that? Like, what was he thinking about? I'm like, yeah, you know, he uh, he plays very similar to Russell Westbrook, where, you know, he's kind of like a, a very athletic point guard and try, try to kind of, you know, plays like him, and... I'm like, the only reason I'm saying that is because you told me that, like, a couple <laughs> weeks ago.
1: Yeah. he. I mean, he uh,
2: does. Yeah, I think Purdue, without Haas going down, was the clear-cut favorite. With Haas going down, it's kind of fun how Harms has become, like, uh, talk of Twitter with the hair. And the kid is just super emotional, which is pretty cool to watch in the tournament. But yeah, it's nice. it is a
1: – Yeah. You lose a is 7-2 a- guy, you can insert a 7-3 kid, so. yeah. Nice. It is a guard tournament.
2: Exactly. Carson Edwards and Vince Edwards are the truth. I've been calling Carson Edwards Carl all year. I think I'm gonna stick with it because I love it.
0: Yeah, I think but he just said that too.
2: Your boy he did call him
0: Carl. I was wondering. Don't even know his, his name.
2: Your boy Coda Foxy. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. Um, you've been on that guy all year, and the dude just won the last game. So props to you. Yeah, we'll see though. But other than um, that, I mean, I,
1: I mean, I like the Zags. I think they're super underrated. They they lost like what. Four or five games this year, and they were mostly throughout the year and three against uh, tournament teams.
2: Yeah. So I Didn't mean, they play Nova too? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they busted Nova, Florida, and the other one was St. Mary's, which had like a 30 and 5 record too, or something like that.
2: Yeah, it's going to be Gonzaga or Texas AM, I think, coming out of that one. Then Kansas Clemson. I don't think those teams are going to win it. Syracuse Duke, probably the Dukies. We'll see if it's a. We'll see if Purdue and Villanova can get together in that Elite Eight. That'll be a really good game. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: That West Virginia yeah. Villanova game, I think, um, is a sleeper. Big, big, uh, will be a. I mean, I can see West Virginia winning the game. They. I saw something where Villanova is shooting like 65% of their shots are threes. And granted, they're stroking them right now. But, I mean, with that Press Virginia defense, with, I mean, they could speed up, Saga speed up that rhythm and could cause some problems for Nova. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll, uh, I'll hold my because I made bets all last weekend on um, the uh, tournament, and I lost. I probably made like 25 bets, and I lost all the ones. So Ooh. I'm not going to say anything. I, was, I had to pay a little bit of money this this, uh, this Monday. But, um, yeah, I you guys want to
2: call our final fours? lost a lot.
0: I, I honestly don't even know what the bracket looks like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got Loyola Chicago beating Kentucky to come out of the south. Okay. I think we got Purdue beating Villanova coming out of the East. And then I'm going to take Duke. I don't think that's a hard one. I don't have much faith in Kansas. I don't know why they're a one seed coming out of that Midwest. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to go Texas A&M. I think, I think they're riding a the heat wave right now. I think Gonzaga's better, but I think a and just, just getting hot at the right time to come out of uh, the West.
1: All Final right. four. I'll give you I'll go. I'll go Purdue over West Virginia. Kansas. Over Duke, which, although I do think Syracuse will make it close. The spread was like 11 and a half. I I take Syracuse there. But um, the West, I like the Zags. Probably I like AM too, but I think I think Michigan will be there. Um, and then- I don't know
2: how Michigan keeps on hanging on. They just, it's like, I don't I don't get it. They look slow, but then like they hit threes at the right time. Like the point guard, I don't even think is that. I think he's a poor man, Carson
1: Edwards. I,
2: I just – they keep doing it, though.
1: Like, yeah, I do how they keep doing Xavier Simpson you're talking about, he's, he's from uh, – he's from—he's an Ohio boy. He's from uh, Lima, I think. But, anyway.
2: Kid's got a lot of heart. A lot of heart.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> miles apart. The, the South is <laughs> Miles and miles apart. <laughs> the South is crazy, though. No top four seeds, I think. Is that the first time ever? thought I may have heard that. But, I think – it's hard not to take Kentucky – the way they're playing but i think i'm gonna have to go them, yeah. over, them over uh
0: loyola i'm gonna go uh is that all four
1: yeah
0: i'm gonna go i'm gonna go nevada out of the south just riding the heat wave
2: the um, twins the twins are take, so
0: sick i'm gonna take michigan out of the west i'm gonna go the boilers of course are we all all four of us, all not a, of us it's got
1: not that. a homer podcast at all
0: boiler well, well, up baby and granted, we're all Boilers fans because of one person it's Michael Fox Well, UJ Yes. And then, uh, and then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Duke out of the Midwest. And we'll make. Another, I mean, we'll make another podcast before uh, before the finals, and we'll pick who we who we think's gonna pull it out.
1: And we'll see. Is And we, and we'll see how we did.
2: Sure. Sure. Are we about to see? Both teams playing a two-three zone in the Syracuse Duke game is Duke riding that out I all? I believe the so.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've been playing that pretty much the whole second half of the year. I think.
2: Oh my! god. It's going to be like 34 to 32. <laughs> Those yeah. games are so boring, but I mean, also kind of cool to watch yeah. the zones.
1: Syracuse, yeah. Syracuse is ridiculous. They're so good at it, and they have <clears> they have zero depth. And, I mean, they can they just conserve all their energy on the defensive end. Basically, play uh, Yeah. Yeah. But
2: sweet. It, we just kept that under an hour. It's forty-five minutes. Forty-five was a nice little target. So yeah,
0: we'll uh, see if uh, see if people like see if people like it, see if people listen to it. But uh, I'm sure we drag
2: down like crazy. We'll 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 sharpen it up yeah, for we'll, episode we'll, two. Yeah, we'll,
0: this is something you know we don't we don't really care who listens to it. We've been wanting to do this for a couple of years, and we like to think that we're educated. You know, at least Cleveland sports fans. But you know, my friends would laugh at that because they think that you know I I think that. Johnny Manziel was gonna be good, but you know, didn't anticipate the drug problem as much. Comeback um, season, comeback season is on. But uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more here, and hopefully people enjoy it. And I'll just yeah, say we'll what post this says. to
2: uh, Twitter, Spotify. Um, we'll post a couple links out. So if anyone cares to tune back in for episode two, we'll do the same
1: thing.